All right, so you know, so I'll tell you like this. The, um, every generation has to do two things. You have to sort of be unique and do something new, but also be uh, nostalgic and familiar with the old generation. So it used to be in days of old, you know, back in Europe, when the sky was still blue, you know. So uh, every shul, there's always two shiur. In every shul, there's always two chaburas, you know, basic. Nothing fancy. There was Mishnayis and Enyakov. That's, that's how it was, Mishnayis and Enyakov, every shul. Come to America, we've become very sophisticated. So Enyakov is no longer in style. But I figured, you know what? Let's bring back the old a little bit with a more modern day twist. So what is Enyakov? So again, for those that are not familiar... We know in Gemara, there's two parts to Gemara, basically. There's a number of parts, but one way to break down Gemara is two parts. There's the halachic part of Gemara, <coughs> telling us the tyromysis, I guess you could call it, the, the part of Shas, the part of Talmud, which tells us how to f- physically keep mitzvahs properly. And then there's the Agadita, the part of the Gemara, which is not halachic per se, but it's telling us chavis halavavis, right? The, uh, the duties of the heart, the chavis halavavis, hashkafik, inyanim, things about the Rabbanu Shleilam, stories of tzaddikim to learn from. And so, you know, Chazal say, fantastic Lashonis, Chazal say such things like, if a person wants to be makir, if you want to, if you want to get acquainted with the one that said and the world came to be, if you want to become acquainted with God, then you have to learn Agadita, Chazal say. Now what's interesting about learning Agadita is that the style of learning Agadita fundamentally is very different than the style of learning the halachic part of the Gemara. For a number, there's a number of differences. One f- fundamental one is the following, is that when it comes to learning the halachic side of Gemara, the, 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 generally speaking, I mean, again, obviously you dig deep, everything is interconnected with each other. But generally speaking, the, the, the particular piece of Gemara that you're learning, th- that's the piece of Gemara that you need to know. You know what I mean? So you want to know, you know, whatever the, whatever the Gemara is discussing, uh, halachas, whatever the case may be, the halacha lamais that's going to come out of it is, is from that Gemara. Yes, of course, every Gemara is interconnected, and the Rishonim will, will cross-reference other places. You know, the Gemara is alive. But, but you don't have to know everything to know anything. That's, not, that's usually the way it is. Well, Agatha is not like that. The, 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 the way Chazal set up Agatha is, is that it's very difficult to truly pick up a hashkafas oilam. Agatha is, is trying to give over who God is, and trying to give over a general picture of how their, who their Rabbanu Shalom is and how he runs the world, which is Primi Satyra. That's the subject matter of Primi Satyra. But the way, the, but the nature of that subject versus the subject of Halacha is that Halacha, by its very nature, is a subject matter which is in pieces. So you learn Hilchas Mezuzah, Hilchas Mezuzah, Hilchas Kashas, Hilchas Kashas. But the subject of God and, and how he runs the world is one sogya. But and therefore it's it's command impossible to just learn Agadita piece by piece and think that you're gonna come away with an uh, with an awareness of who God is. It's command impossible. And those that try to build a pure hashkafa simply from piecemealing Agata to get together, um, what results from that is a very um, underdeveloped, half baked philosophy of Yiddishkeit. The way to properly learn Agadita, therefore, this is the tradition, the way to learn Agadita really is by seeing Agadita in the framework 
that a, that a, to have to have a, a broader to have a, a framework going into Agarata based on Pirmi Satara When a person has a perspective of Pirmi Satara based on Svarim and Mukubalim and so on, then you can study Agarata and you can see how each piece of Agarata is part of a bigger system. But to have the Chachma to see the bigger system just from the fragments of Agarata, it's very, very difficult. You have to have a very, very big Neshama to do that. So, so that's why the learning of Agadita is something that people very often, especially yeshivas, don't focus on at all, is because unless you have that proper background, each piece of Agadita is, is, you don't even know how to make heads or tails of it. It's, it's mamish, uh, a closed book. And so when Chazal say that to recognize your Hashem, you have to learn Agadita and so on, you have to learn Agadita understanding that, that you can't, that what you need to know to understand this particular piece is not just the piece in front of you. It's coming from a bigger framework that Talmud Bavli in particular is, is, is going out of its way to hide. And so that's uh, what makes it got it a little bit difficult. So maybe that's one of the reasons why uh, it went out of style a little bit. But, uh, but like I said, so that section of Agadita, which is called, uh, that, that section of Gemara, which is called Agadita, so there's a Sefer Enyakov that uh, was, Enyakov Betzim is a commentary on Agadita, but it became its own Sefer, the Sefer that was learned for many generations by people in shuls and, you know, kielas and so on, of learning Agadita, learning, uh, learning the stories from the Gemara. So that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to, Bez Hashem, we're going to go through, uh, Wednesday nights, we'll go through Agadita, starting from Brachas, Staf Beis, and we'll go through Enyakov as much as we can. But we'll try to investigate each particular piece, God's help, with a, you know, trying to see it more than just that isolated piece and to see it from a perspective of Pneus Atayra. And we'll see, we'll try to at least uh, gain insight of what's going on in these Agathas. Okay. Why was it written like that? Uh, you could say it in two ways. Either way is true. One way to say it would be that Chazal went out of their way to hide it. In order, based on a general principle that was that's that we find in Masech Chagiga, and it was certainly the overriding principle for many many generations, which is that these types of inyanim have to be hidden. And so Chazal, Chazal throughout Bavli, writing the, recording Agada to the way it's recorded gives enough of an opening for those that are of the initiated to see it openly. But if you're not initiated, then you don't see anything, and that's the chachma of what they did. And again, because because Pinyin Satara have to be has to be hidden, <clears throat> that's one way, and uh, so that's one way to say it that it was that it was that it was uh, hidden in order to make sure that those that are not roy to understand uh, would be like that. Another aspect of it is that that's the nature of Gullus. I mean that that that's Talmud Bavli is is uh, see Rishami is much more open about these things, but Bavli in particular, that's the nature of Gullus. The definition of Gullus is, you know sort of body without a soul, and uh, hiding the Rabbanu Shalom's presence, just like the Rabbanu Shalom's presence is hidden in the world in Galas, so Hashem's presence, so to speak, is hidden in, in Tyre as well. And that expresses itself by Agadita being a closed book, whereas Halacha, you have what to work with. It doesn't, it's not easy, but you have what to work with, at least uh, to unpackage it. Agadita, by its very definition, you don't, have, you don't have enough material. That's why, but in a certain degree, just to flip it around, to a certain degree, that's why, uh, to a certain degree, Agadita remains more authentically Tarsh Peh than even Halacha. Because Tarsh Peh is something that you specifically need an oral tradition for, right? That's the way that's Tarsh is supposed to be. So even for Halacha, you still need an oral tradition, you know, you, 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 know, you, you still need that for sure, there are Halimbit and so on. 
But you could definitely, without, without an, a Rebbe, you know, without an actual living Rebbe to receive from, you, you could do pretty good with halacha. But with Pneus or with Agadita, you're not going to begin unless, you have a, a, unless you're part of that Messiah. That's a living tradition of Tarash Baal Pes. So to a certain degree, the, 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 you know, the, 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 the decree of Gullus, which forces Pneus Atar to be hidden, in truth, to a certain degree, also uh, keeps the authentic, the authenticity of Tarash Baal Pes alive. This is uh, part of the way the Rav Anishon developed, is that the Chayshech itself is the cause for light. And so this is uh, the way it is also. The, the difficulty of Golis and the decree of keeping things hidden, Dafkin Pimis Atara, is in truth keeping Torah the most authentic, the way it's supposed to be in Tarsh Peh. Okay. Okay, so let's begin. So the first Agarita that we find in, in Talmud Bavli, which is... Uh, well, all beginnings are important. So even the first Agadita that's mentioned in Talmud Bavli is also important to know that this is the first Agadita. So the first Agadita is about the concept of there being Mishmaris, of there being different watches in heaven, different shifts in Shemayim that we'll see in a second, that Malachim take turns singing Shira Hashem. But again, to get the background, so let's see some of the Marmukhamis. So Marmukh number one is the opening line of the Mishnah Masechus Brachas, Beis and Aleph. Again, just enough background to get into uh, into the Gemara. So again, the Mishnah begins, <coughs> well known, so the Mishnah says, when is the proper time to say Krishma at night? When's the proper, we know there's Mitzvah saying Krishma at night, Krishma in the morning, so when's the Zman, when is the uh, parameters of saying Krishma at night? So it says the Mishnah like this, the beginning of when you're able to say Krishma at night is Mishosh Nichnasim Lechel Betrumasim. It's from the time where let's say you have Kahanim that became Tameh, and if a kain is tameh, they're not allowed to eat truma. So in order to become tar, they have to go to the mikvah. That's step one. And step two, they also have to wait for sunset. They go to the mikvah, sunset, now they could eat truma. So says the Mishnah, the moment when a kain is able to eat truma, in other words, the moment of, uh, of sunset, when it becomes nighttime, that's the same zman when you could begin to say Krishna. Okay, that's in terms of the beginning. And how late can you go with, with Krishna? At saifa, shmur, until the end of the first watch. Uh, that's different, Rebbe Leezer. Okay, till the end of the first watch. Okay. Now we we hold Allah Lamaisa, it's not the sogi for right now, but we hold Allah Lamaisa, the Zman of Krishma is all night long. But the opinion of Rebbe Leezer, the first shita that's recorded in the Mishnah, is at the end of Krishma, you have until the end of the first watch of the night. So what does it mean the first watch? So obviously to know how many hours that is, you have to know how many watches there are at night. Right? That'll tell you. So, Maramokin number two, the Gemara. So, the Gemara in Daf Gimel Med Aleph picks up on this. And the Gemara says like this, My Kisav Rebbe what does Rebbe hold? How many watches are there? Now, we'll see, we'll see in a second, the Gemara already had a tradition that there are two options. Either the night is divided up in Shemaim, in terms of, in terms of Malachim singing Shira to Hashem and taking shifts. So, it's either divided up in three parts, and each watch being four hours long. Night is 12 hours, so each watch is four hours. Or the other possibility is that there are four watches at night, each watch being three hours. So it says the Gemara like this, My Kesav Rebbe what does Rebbe personally hold? How many watches are there? If Rebbe Yezer is of the opinion that there are three watches at night, and each watch is consisting of four hours, then and then just say straight away that Shema you can say until four hours into the night. What are you being, what are you being cryptic about? And if Rebbe holds there are four watches of the night, then just say 
Until three hours, right? Because then each watch is three hours. So either way, Mnazlikmur is asking, what are you talking about watches for? Just say how, how, many, hours, uh, how many hours it is. Three, four, whatever the cheshben is. The reason why Rebelezer holds these particular hours is because it says in Pasuk regarding Kriyishma night, B'Shach B'cha, that you should say Kriyishma, the time that people go to bed. So the question is, how many hours is it that people are going to sleep? People sleep the whole night, but when do they go to bed? Okay, so whatever it is. So you can make the argument it's three hours, you make the argument it's four hours. Whatever it is, why is Rebelezer talking about watches? Just say either three hours or four hours. So the Gemara says like this, La'ilam Kasavar, the truth is like this, really, Rebelezer, as we'll see in a second, is of the opinion that Shalosh Mishmaris have a that the night is divided in Shemayim in three watches, which means that each watch is four hours. So in other words, Rebelezer is saying that you could say Krishma until the end of the first watch, until the end of four hours. Why are you talking about watches, Bechlal? It's a, you ignore that Aleph. What he's trying to tell you is, besides talking about the Allahs of Krishma, he wants to sneak in another fact that you should know, that there is such an idea of there being watches in Shemayim. Time, time Not time, I mean, we, that, that, that we should know, but in Shemayim, time exists, and it's rel- we'll see in a second what the relevance is, that the, there's, there's, there are shifts in Shemayim in terms of Malachim and so on. There are such an ideas as watches. The Tanya. What, and how do I know Rabbi Ezra holds that there are three watches? Rabbi Ezra, Rabbi Ezra says, Shol, there's a Bryce that says the following, Shalosh Mishmaris Havilayla. He's not talking about Kriyishma in this context. He says straight, there are three watches in Shemayim at night. I'll call Mishmar or Mishmar. And with every single watch, with every single section, third of the night. So, like I said, the Malachim switch, you know, they, they switch uh, rotation to sing Shira. And at the same time, I'll call Mishmar Mishmar, Yoshev HaGashbarach V'Shayik Harid sits, and he roars out like a lion, as we'll see in a second, over, and he's crying over the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash and over Galus. So it's a time when there are, these watches are a time when the Malachim are singing Shira, and also the Rabbi Nishim is crying over Churban Beis Amigdash and Galas. Shenemar, so Rabbi said, because it says in Pasuk, Hashem Mimaraim Yeshag, that Hashem from heaven, from a high place, calls out. From his sanctuary, he calls out his voice. He screams over his Beis Amigdash. So it describes, so Rabbi point is, it describes Hashem calling three times. The word Yishag is three times. Yishag, Shayag, Yishag, it says it three times. That's a hint that there are three watches, and each watch, the Molochim are switching rotation to sing Shira, and the Rabbanishim is crying over the Beis HaMikdash. And that's Rebbeleza's opinion. And when it comes to, his point by Kriyashim is, you can say Kriyashim until four hours into the night. But once he's giving you that time period of four hours, he slips in this remez that you should know four hours is significant, because that's the end of the first watch. And there's an idea of having these three watches at night. Now, Tan Rabban, the Gemara now records another b'risa, which is where the Gemara was coming from before, that there's actually a machlekes about this. The first, it says the b'risa like this, Arba Mishmar Savilayla, Divi Rebbe. Rebbe Yudanasi was of the opinion that in fact there are four watches in Shemayim, four rotations of Malachim, and again, each, each Mishmar, the Rabban Hashem is crying, but it's four, not three. Rav Nassim says the same as Rav Yezer, Shalosh, that it's only three Mishmars. Okay, so that's the, that's the sugya. So you have Machlekes between Rebbe and Rav Nassim, how many rotations are there in Shemayim? Everyone agrees that there are rotations, and everyone agrees that during these rotations, the Rav Nassim is crying over the Chor Mesa Migdash. The question is, are there three? Are there four? And doesn't, it's not, from the simple reading of the Gemara, it's irrelevant really for Kriyishma, it just happens to be 
since Rabbi Yezer says that the Zman of Kishma is until four hours, and he happens to hold, that's the end of the first watch. So he, that's how he says it, to give us this hint. How is it, why is it relevant for us to know what's going on in Shemaim during these changes? So the Rishonim explained that the relevancy for us is that if at these times the Malachim are singing Shira, that's not relevant for us, but if the Rabbanishim is crying at these times over the Beis HaMikdash, then that means it would be appropriate for us to do the same. And based on this, it says in the Shulchan Aruch, Marmukah number three, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, this is a Seminal of Sif Beis, Hamashkim Leschan Bayrai. you don't have to do this as a Shulchan Aruch, but one that is interested in waking up early, before sunrise or in the middle of the night, to Davin Tashem, it would be ideal that if you're going to daven anyway to pick the moments when these watches in Shemaim are switching over. And we Paskin says the Shulchan Aruch like Rav Liezer and Rav Nassan that there are three watches a night and so those are the moments when, when, when these watches are switching that would be ideal to daven for the following thing. means the, the third of the night the end of two-thirds, at the end of the night. Those are the, um, the moments when the watches are switching. The daven specifically for Churban Beis HaMikdash and Golas, that's the appropriate time. Why? Because that's the Rabbani Shalom was crying as well. So that's why it's relevant for us to know what's going on over there and how many watches there are that if a person wants to daven for Churban Beis HaMikdash and, you know, uh, to be misavil over the Golas, that's the appropriate time. That's when the Rabbani Shalom was doing it as well. Okay, fine. Fine, that's the, so in Yaakov, in the Sefer in Yaakov, this is the first Agarita, there's any of the watches, and the Rabbanishu crying, and the Machlech is, is it three, is it four? Fine, so the, the, first of all, like, what's, what, what does this tell us about the Rabbanishu? What's the Avayid over here? Uh, number one. Number two, what does this have to do with Krishna? Again, in, in civil reading of the Gemara, it doesn't have to do with Krishna, but it's just, once Rabbi Ezer is telling us that the Zman of Krishna is until four hours, oh, happens to be, that's the end of the first Mishmar, so I'll hint to you that there's such an idea. That, uh, but is there a way to really connect it to? Okay, so what we're going to learn is a Torah from Rav Kook. Rav Kook, uh, it's interesting. We, the, 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 the Sefer that we have, from, there's a Sefer that we have from Rav Kook on Agadita. It's not on all of Shas, but a number of Masech. It's called Einaya. Now this Sefer that Rav Kook wrote, he wrote before he went to Eretz Yisrael, And you'll see right away, it's a completely different style of writing, I'll go upon him, than his other Svarim. So his other Svarim, once he stepped foot on the soil, of the land, it's all poetry, it's mamish all. And by the way, it's interesting, he, uh, the, the writings of Rav Kook in Eretz Yisrael, which is mamish poetry, it, it, that was his first draft. Uh, the Talmudim said he never had to go back and, and, and rewrite it. Some, there, are some, there were some secular authors and poets that Rav Kook was uh, connected to that they used to claim, they probably weren't correct anyway, but they used to claim that maybe they could write as beautifully as Rav Cook, but definitely not first draft. That's what they used to say. Stam, even after many drafts, they couldn't do it, but, that's, uh, but the writings that he has before, when he's still in Chutzlaretz, is already, you know, it's not Shiradik, it's more uh, Chutzlaretzdik. So, but we'll see. <coughs> okay, this is not the, you know, again, this is a Kitzer version of his Torah, but we'll do what we can. Okay. So, Nena Yasser, Rav Cook is dealing with just this inyan of there being a machlekes, three watches, four watches. So this thing is like this. Hine, Metzinu Merkava. So Rav Kook points out that in, in Sefer Yechezkel, in, uh, in the first part of Yechezkel, where it talks about Yechezkel's vision of the chariot of the Kisya Kavit and so on, Yechezkel, 
The, yeah, the Haftarah for the Shuvah. Yeah, exactly. So that in 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 Meisim Merkava, that's what's called Meisim Merkava. So in that uh, in that in that uh, piece of Navi, the pasuk describes Yecheskel Navi seeing by the mice by the Kisya Kavod four different faces, four different uh, you know Malachim, you know carrying the Kisya Kavod. Shem Arba Panim, four faces. Pnei Shar, an ox. Pnei Arye, a lion. Pnei Nesher, a uh, an eagle. And Pnei Adam, the face of a person. Okay, those are the four faces that Yechezkel Navi sees. Now, so okay, let's begin like that. Kine. Chazal lamdo yisanu al pasuk belukim nasechayil. Chazal, a number of places based on the pasuk that says belukim nasechayil. With Hashem, we will be strong. It's a simple reading that pasuk is that Hashem gives us yat neshmai to be matzliach. But Chazal darshan that pasuk means like this: belukim nasechayil, that we will give strength to Elokim. To Elokim becomes strong because of us. What does that mean? Shabizman she Yisrael oisim ritzanish l'makim. So Rav Kook says that Chazal tell us that everything in Shemayim, all the kaiches and all the malachim, everything that's going in Shemayim, is based on Aravaya down here. When we do Aravaya down here, we give strength to the heavens above. So all the malachim, all the kaiches in the Eilam Yainim are sustained and are invigorated and are given strength because of Aravaya. Right? That's what we know. And we are the ones that sanctify and give strength to the higher world. Through our Torah, through our Avaidah. And the greater we are in our Avaidah, the higher world is also more complete. So the more we're complete in our personal Avaidah, the more the higher world is complete. Therefore, where Rav Kook is, is saying, therefore, if we want to know the matziv of our Avaidah down here, it would be paralleled by the matziv of the higher world. If the higher world is in good, good order, then that means things down here are, are good. If things are shvach up there, it means things are shvach down here. That's the way it is. The mirror universe. Huh? It's a mirror universe. Exactly. We are, we are, it's avayda tzarek avayich, as I'll say such a lashon. That our avayda down here is necessary above. We're the ones that give the kaych up there. The hine. So that's number one. Number two. Now, when you want to think about the different categories of our Avaidah down here, which each category will determine above whether they're doing well or not. So says of Kook, when you categorize the different different sections, I guess, in Avaidah Hashem, and you break it down of what you know how many sections there are in Avaidah Hashem that we have to perfect ourselves with. So you could come up with four different categories of Avodah Hashem Bechla. Ha'alef, the first section of Avodah Hashem, and he's working bottom up. So the lowest, most basic and elemental madrig in Avodah Hashem, who shleimas ha'avodah b'poyah. That means practically doing what you have to do. L'kayim kol mitzvah Hashem yisbarach, to fulfill all the mitzvahs you have to fulfill, and to avoid things that you're not allowed to do. So mitzvahs ma'isiyahs. That's one shlav, that's one category, that's one section of Avaidah. The Habez, the second section, Hushleim is Hamidas. So the first section is Maisa, the second section is your personnel, your Midas, to have good Midas, to be Sak in your Midas, to go on the ways of Hashem, to be Rachel, Vachanon, Baal Chesed. Those are the Midas. That's, that's, you see, we're moving from physical, from more, very tangible to less tangible. So very tangible is Mitzvah, Maisa, Maisa, 
And then you go on to Midas Tavis. That's the second category of Shlemus a person has to reach. Hagimel, the third category, that would be, now we're moving from action, emotion, now to the intellect. That your seichel, to become complete with seichel means to, uh, to be, become mushlim, to become complete in Yidiyah Satayra, to learn Tyra properly, and specifically Haniglis, the revealed part of Tyra, the culprit with all of its details as much as, as you can. Shadezeh, and by knowing, by learning Tyra and knowing Kol Kula, it has an effect, first of all, that now you'll know how to keep the mitzvahs properly. That's number one. But more than that, you become more complete. The more Torah that you know, the more your intellectual side of who you are and that more spiritual side of who you are becomes complete. So your, your action, you know, your, your meisim become complete through mitzvahs and meisim taivim. Your personality becomes complete through mitzvahs taivim. And your seichel becomes complete through Yediyah Satayr. Those are the first three categories. Hadalit and the fourth category, who achaysem v'atachlis shal kol sholosh amaylis hakaidmais. The fourth is the chasim of the seal, and really the tachlis where all these previous madregas of shleimus is really trying to get to. V'hapri hayetzimem and the fruit that is the result of all the previous madregas is shuladasas Hashem Yisbarach is devekis b'Hashem to attach oneself to God to truly become someone who is who is attached to elikus, and specifically as we'll see soon, this is specifically in, by by being involved with pinimis atar and pinimis tekavayda devekis k'dei lagil avasai v'yiras roy musai to reach a level havas Hashem and yiras Hashem uladas derachav Yisbarach and to know the ways of Hashem. And that's the full expression of the shleimus of a person. Now, this is also part of Torah, as we'll see soon. This is this is fully captured by learning, by the, the not just learning intellectually, by by living pnimistik Torah, by learning pnimistik Torah and living a pnimistik avayu. That's the shleimus. So the first three madrigas by themselves are you're still sort of on your own. You know, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're, you have good midas, and you know a lot of uh, information that you need to know in order to function properly. But the Rabbanu Shalom is still an idea, you know, that you're serving. But in terms of real dveikas and living with the Rabbanu Shalom, that's the fourth madrega that's deeply rooted with, again, pinimius, pinimius atayra, pinimius avayda, and so on. V'nevar b'zeh shemus dalad apadam kulam. Now with this, we could then say, again, everything in Shemayim is reflective of down here. So when Yechezkel Navi sees these four different malachim, or four different categories, carrying the Kisya Kavit. That's reflective of the four different madregas and four different categories of Avodah Hashem down here. And based on our Avodah down here, each one of those marachas, one of those systems in Shemaim, will be complete or incomplete based on our Avodah. So he says like this, With this we could, we could explain these four different uh, sides of the higher world that Yechazkel Navi saw. Pnei Shar, the ox that Yechazkel Navi saw, mechavein neged hashlemus hamushpas aydei mitzvah maisius. That corresponds to the aspect of the higher world which is dependent on our avayda in terms of mitzvah maisius. Why is that called a Pnei Shar? Kenyan roiv tuus b'koyach shar because an ox is associated with agriculture. That means pay like actually having the tvu and payers and so on. That's practical. It's tangible. That, that's that's the what the shar represents. So the pnei shar and shemayim represents that part of the higher world which 
is bishlemus when we when our mitzvahs meisis are bishlemus. That's dependent on our mitzvahs meisis. That's number one. Pnei arye. What does the arye? What does the lion represent? Shuel yemin. In the in the so the arye is on the right side. Meira chesed. That represents the mid of chesed, which is Rav Kook talks about over here, which is the the uh, you know the example of of midas tavis. Ultimately, all midas tavis boil down to a sense of chesed and a sense of empathy and so on with other people. So the Aryeh represents that side of the higher world, which is dependent on our avoid in terms of midas tavis. It's interesting. He says the lion is the the king of all the chayis, as we know. And you should know of all the animals, the chayis are the ones that are sustained through Hashem's mid of chesed in the most extreme way. Why? Because chayis usually are wild and destructive. So why would the Rebbeinu Shalom give them, give them food? It, it, it's one thing if the Rebbeinu Shalom is mefarnis, gives parnasa to a little bunny rabbit. They're nice and cute. They're, you know, they're harmless. Or the Rebbeinu Shalom gives food to goats and sheep. We, we can use them. Why is the Rebbeinu Shalom sustaining uh, you know, wild animals that are destructive? The answer is the Rebbeinu Shalom is of chesed. So of all, of all animals, chayis expressed, the Rebbeinu Shalom is chesed. And the arya, which is melech chayis, so that's going to be also the expression of the, of the highest level of chesed. So again, animals, the highest rights are not used by people, so there's no really, so it's just a, a pure act of chesed, the fact that Rabbi Shalom sustains them. So that's the second category of Pnei Aryeh. Pnei Nesher, what does the Nesher represent? The eagle that flies up high, that's both connected to the ground, but also goes high. Mechavi Neged Shlemus, Shal Esek Atar that represents a, a Shlemus, or that category of Avedis Hashem, that's connected to a person becoming Sholem in his Yidiyah Satara, but the Yidiyah Satara that are relevant to Mitzvah's Maisius. So on the one hand, it's an intellectual Indian, so it's high, it's more esoteric. But on the other hand, the subject matter is down to earth. So you're learning about Hilchah So you're learning, so it's more, so it's, 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 uh, it's not physical, so it's, it's Himmeldic to a certain degree, but the subject that you're learning about is still practical. So it's the, like the bird that... that exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it goes high, but it goes low. So that's the Nesher. Shlemus Haskola is the represents the the the, the shlemus that a person can reach in Seichel Shu Tzad Hamayla, which on the one hand is is very high. And allows the person to reach high places in Seichel. But on the other hand, again, the subject matter that you're learning about is down to earth things, practical things. So that's what the Nesher represents. And the fourth. They're representing the Shlemus Adam, a person that's altogether elokustic, that's altogether dvekistic, no longer just things of this world trying to, to, to be yaitse his chiyuvim, but living a life of dvekis and pnimius, hakilel says kulam, hu pnei adam. That is the face of the person. adam hamiti, which is, which is a representative of what a person adam hashalim is. Ladas is Hashem isperach yidi amitis, adam. To know Hashem in the, in the, as much as it is humanly possible. Okay, so that's the four sides of the Merkava, representative of four aspects of the higher world, which depends on four aspects of our Avayda. Now, okay, next part. And let's, let, now, the, the, the Mishmaris in Shemayim, as I said before, is when the Malachim sing Shira. What's the Enyan of a Malach singing Shira? What's, uh, they're into music, what's the Enyan? So he says like this, Vine. Hashir, he's going to tie them all together soon in a bow. Vine. Hashir Meir Ashlemus. Shir song is is always an expression of when things are complete. In other words, at the end of something, oh, Baruch Hashem, you look back, 
you know, mission accomplished, you sing a song. Shir always represents Shlemus. Therefore, so he says like this, we know that again, the, the, in Shemayim, like we said, what's, 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 the koiches that are being given to the higher world depends on our avayda down here. Our avayda primarily is during the daytime. That's when we're involved in avayda Hashem. So during the day down here, that's when things are still shaking and moving in Shemayim. By the nighttime, that's already when now in Shemayim they can look back at the day and say, oh, oiskipalt, alzazgit. That's when the nighttime is. So it's the nighttime, that's when there's going to be a time of shir bechlal. Because again, shir means shleimus, and shleimus is only when the avoid is over. And the avoid primarily is during the day, so that's not a time of singing, that's a time of working. By nighttime, right, we can look back, at, Shemaim can look back in the day and say, oh, Klai Yisrael were piled good, so it's good for us too. So he says like this, <clears throat> Singing is an expression of things being complete, things being done, and looking back and saying, Gavalt. This is why the, the, the time that we find in Shemayim, the expression of Shlemus, is Dafka at night. Because that's the time when they can, they can you know, so fully process the Shlemus that they received based on the Avayit of the Jewish people the preceding day. Right? Again, and each category in Shemayim, will sing a shira reflective of the particular shleimus that they received based on that category of Avaydas Hashem down here. So in other words, the Pnei uh, Shor will sing in Shemayim based on the Avaydah of the Jewish people that day in our Mitzvah's Maisias. The Pnei Aryeh will sing in Shemayim, that category of Malachim will sing in Shemayim based on the shleimus of our Avaydah in terms of Midas Taivas, V'chul V'chul. Okay, so in other words, what Rav Cook is saying over here is like this: We're not just talking about the malachim up there. When when in my in my when Yechesko saw these four malachim, these four different categories, that is the entire system of malachim because that is reflective of the entire system of Aravadis Hashem. And so, and and the singing of each one of those categories of malachim is going to be reflective and a, and 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 a and a and a, a simcha over the shleimus of Avaida that the world brought to them through the avoid of that preceding day. You follow? Okay. Why would it be equal, though? Huh? Why would each thing be equal, though? Because one section might be greater than... And a chalami. And a It could be. It could be. It could be that one particular day, the shira of the shar will be very, very uh, loud, and the shira of the nesher might not be. And a chalami. But whatever degree... Huh? That's yeah, in Shemayim. That's how it will be. But in terms of the tekifas, it won't be the same. But listen, at the end of the day, there, each each section of Avodas Hashem will, on some level, be accomplished. So it'll be some degree of shear for each one. Oh. so this is where we are beginning to now see the Indian of the mishmaris in Shemayim. These mishmaris in Shemayim says Rav Kook are going to be reflective. Each mishmar is going to be one of these one of these uh, categories of malachim, singing over the shleimus and, 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 and expressing simcha over the shleimus that they received at night based on the avayda of the previous day. So this is, so how many categories of malachim are there? Four. Okay. So now we understand the shita that what? That there are four mishmars. What's the meaning of three mishmars? So it says like this. Vine. Uh, I'm sorry, one second. Yeah, fine. Uh, vine, yeah, vine. The second, second line, the second last paragraph, second line. Vine. 
Okay, so now, with everything we said, now let's make another point. Says Rav Kook, Klal Yisrael can be divided into two camps. Every single Jew has to serve the Rabbanu Shalom in all four categories. But there are two categories with Klal Yisrael. So he says like this, That highest madrega that's called the Pnei Adam, really, a sense of a sense of being with the Rabbanu Shleilam and understanding the Rabbanu Shleilam. The highest madrega really is The highest madrega says of Cook in the real, healthy, holiest way to serve Hashem is that there really are not four categories. The, help, the, the, most, the most wholesome way of, of experiencing Yiddishkeit is is that this highest madrig of Dvekas Bashem is something that you experience in your mitzvahs Maisis, is something that you experience in your Midas Taivas, is something that you experience in your learning Halacha Lamaisa. That it shouldn't be a separate category. That's the way it's supposed to be. In other words, that this idea that there are four Mishmarat, that there are four different categories, Kilu. When I'm doing Mitzvah Maisis, it's just dry and dead. When I'm being, in, when I work on Mamidis, it's just because I have to work on Mamidis. When I'm learning Halacha, I'm just learning Halacha. And then a moment, there's a Shal Shudis, there's a moment of uh, Dveikis, that's, that's a time of Pnei Adam. That's Chaval. That's, it's, 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 not, it's not terrible, obviously, but it's Chaval. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The way it's supposed to be is that that Pnei Adam is supposed to be enlivening every single one of the first three Madregas. In, in, to such a degree that it's not a separate category. It's, it's the Neshama behind the Pnei, uh, the Pnei Shar, the Pnei Ari, and the Pnei Neshem. So he says like this, Nachumon. There are two madregas to Hashem. The first madrega is that this highest madrega that we've been talking about, the tachlis, which is awareness of Hashem, pnei adam. The real way, to, the, the 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 most again, the authentic version of Yiddishkeit is that every one of the first three categories of mitzvahs and Maisius and, and Midas and Seichel of Torah, Achuz Meklulam is that Tachlis, are inter-included in that fourth one. It, 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 to the point of where there is no fourth category. Shiladasis Hashem. The Kolkach Yigbar Arwel Ki Al Nefesh. And the light of Hashem should be so intense on the Nezhama, that everything that you're doing anyway with mitzvahs and midas and learning halacha, Takir by Kavad Hashem is There should be an awareness of the Rabbanu presence. That's the way it should be. To such a person that reached such a level, then there is no fourth category of Pnei Adam. The Pnei Adam is inter-included within the first three. They're all inter-included in that, in that Pnei Adam. So here's the Nakuda. That's true for, that's the ideal version of Yiddishkeit, and that's still true by Tzadik Yemes. But Lamaisa, the Amid that we find by most Yidin, is not like that. That they're involved with Mitzvah Maisis, Baruch Hashem, and Midas Toivus, and they learn Halacha. Because they want to do the right thing, they have to be Makayim the Mitzvahs properly. And every once in a while, there's Zaycha to experience a Pnei Adam moment. And there's, every once in a while, they experience the light of Hashem to allow them to be in Adam, to allow them to experience the Pnei Adam. For such a person, which is the majority of Yidin, unfortunately, in Golas, 
Hamaylis Chalukas Ladalud. There are four categories. In other words, what Rav Kook is hinting to is the Yisrael that we find by the Mukubalim is that don't just think of the higher world and this world. Every single neshama, every single Jew, has his universe above. And so, how many malachim, how many mishmaris are there in your oilam ha'elyon? Well, that depends on your avayda. Not only does, does, the, does the health of, a higher, of your higher world depend on your avayda, but how many categories of malachim depends on your avayda. If you're, uh, uh, learning, if you're serving the Rabbanishim in such a way that you're, that you're mitzvah ma'asis, you're midas, and you're learning of tarah, uh, you know, halach and so on, niglas ha'tayra, is with a sense of dveikas pashan and it's lishma, then in shemayim you only have three mishmars. But if you are learning, if the person is learning, which is again the madrig of most in, in Gaulus, that it's, it's divided, mitzvah ma'asis are just, are, are, are done, but they're, they're not done with dveikas. Midas tayvis and seichel of tayra, they're all dry, then every once in a while there's a Pneadim experience, then your Shemayim is a four Mishmars. So, by the, so, how, so, so how many are there above? Okay, so by the times of Golas, the, the Roiv of Kla Yisrael in Shemayim are four Mishmars. The Yechidin Skula only have three Mishmars. So it says Rav Kook, this Machleg is back to Chazal, that Rebbe says there are four Mishmars. Rav Nassan and Rav said there are three Mishmars, so he says, is this machlek is in Gimel Mishmaris, a Dalid, Eilov Eilov Delekim Chaim. They're both true. Shamarachis, Hamachadnes, and Lakim Elyon, the higher world which is related to Shapulas Anshe Maila, to the higher world that's being built and that's being completed by the Avoid of Anshe Maila of Tzadikim, Magia Shama, that the Tzadikim reach their particular place in Shemayim, Ain and Achlakis, Kiyim, Lagil Mishmaris. They only have three Mishmaris. But the, the level of Shemayim that's built by the collective whole of Kla Yisrael, in Golis, the collective Tzibor, are not holding by three Mishmars. We're holding by four Mishmars. Now, Rav Kuk goes on to say, it's a beautiful thing. It was the end of the page, so I couldn't uh, type anymore. So I had Rachmanis on you also. But the end of the piece, Rav Kuk goes on to say, so you have such an interesting thing. So, the, so, what, is it, so what does it boil down to? Because this is a machlekes that's negei halach l'maisa. So, so how do we paskin? How do we paskin? Three mishmaris, four mishmaris. So it's interesting. So he, he says that such a shayla really would be similar to the general machlekes and, and shayla of we paskin like Beishamai or Beishil. Why? The Gemara says regarding Beishamai and Beishil that Beishamai mechad ditzvei. Beishamai were sharper, but Beishilel were practically the roif. So here you have the following scenario. You, the, tzad, the tzaddikim really are getting it right. That, that's the way it's supposed to be, but they're few in number. So the tzaddikim, to them, there's gimel mishmaris, and the hamayin am are not the, the authentic way it's supposed to be, but I'll call upon them, they're the roiv, they have four mishmaris. So when it comes to Bishan Basil, who do we paskin like? Always Basil, which means that despite the fact that, Tilt Mashiach, but despite the fact that when, we'll see in a second, but despite the fact that, that, uh, that Beishamah is mechad titzvei, you go with the Rabbim. What's ironic over here, is that over here, how do we pasken in Shulchan Aruch? We pasken in Gil Mishmar Savilayla. Gil Mishmar Savilayla, which is true only by the Tzadikim, not by the Amayna. So Rav Kook doesn't make this point, and he doesn't solve this observation. You follow the, you follow the, the, the Shikl Stira. I'm sorry? Ah, oh, oh, so that's a good point. 
What's the second comment? So he, here, here, here's the thought that I was having. So again, was to break it down. So what do we have over here? <clears throat> and, 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 and let's appreciate this, by the way, just to go back. We said in the beginning, during these watches, so there's two things going on. Malachim are singing Shira, and the Rebbe was crying over Golas. So well, these two, it's, it's a little bit opposite. It reminds you of a little bit of that story by the second base of Migdash, right? Pesach says in Maish and Ezra Nechemiah, the second base of Migdash was being built, was being dedicated. So the Pesach says that the young generation were singing and dancing with Gavaldik, and the older generation beginning to cry. Why? Because they looked at it. They say, this is, this is what a base of Migdash is to you. We remember base of Migdash Rishon. So it's an amazing thing. The Malachim are Mamish Basimcha. Whether Gimel Mishmaris, Dal Mishmaris, they're Basimcha over the Avaidah of the day. And the Rabbanish was saying, that's Avaidah. That's Avaidah. It's like his mom's crying over the Chorim Basim Megdash. So it's like this. So again, the, so, so, so it comes at an interesting thing. Again, how many Mishmaris are there? They're both true. <clears throat> but it depends on the Yechide Skula, it's going to be three. Tzadikim is going to be three. Because again, by them, every, every mitzvah that they do is saturated with Dvekas. Every midas toivus that they work on is sashrut zvekas. Every every din halach and shulchanot that they learn is sashrut zvekas. So there's only three mishmaras, and by the hamoynam, it's not like that. So there's four mishmaras. So again, uh, usually you would go with the psak of the hamoynam. Maisa they're the rabbim, just like beis hillel over beis shammai. Despite the fact that beis shammai is mechad titzvei sharper, we go with beis hillel. That's the rabbim. Ironically, over here, when it comes to knowing, like the shulchanor said, of what. That, uh, that to know when you should have a veil over the base of Migdash, we go with Gimel Mishmars. What's the shot? So there's different ways how to say it. First of all, again, it's a very good observation that the, who, who's getting up to be Masav over Yishalayim? Stam Tzadikim. Okay. You can make the argument. They're not. Okay, but that's, that's one possibility. And, yeah. So the Tikkun Chatzais, that's Enechanami. That maybe we'll, we'll see maybe next time. Tikkun Chatzais is the middle of the second watch. So this, we'll, we'll see about that. But... Uh, I was thinking the following thing, because there's another Shiloh. Again, remember the, the other question we asked is, why does Rabbi Yezer Davka feel compelled to mix this with Krishma? Mm-hmm. So my, my thought's like this. Whenever you have Avelis, there's always two types of Avelis. There's an Avelis, a crying of Yish, of like, Chaval al-da'avdin mishtachin. It's gone, it's lost, finished. And then there's, and, and, so, so there's one way to cry over, over Gullus, which is that, like, it's done. It's done. Like, we can, we can never get it back. Uh, but that's not, that's not the way it's supposed to be. The crying over Avelis is a crying that's, that's, that's steeped in hopefulness and not only in the, in the, in the hope that we'll get it back. See, the ultimate, the ultimate, here, the ultimate ability to cry with the base of English in a way that's healthy is to realize that behind the scenes of all of our Avaida is the Dvekas. The real Gullus is the fact that we don't see it. In other words, what's the Iker Gullus of, uh, why is there, why is there Vanishun crying? Vanishun's crying is because uh, Pnei Adam is not, is not complete. That, that's, the, the, when the Hamoy Nam is crying, the Hamoy Nam, the, the Golas the Hashchina by the Hamoy Nam is that, you know, there's four Mishmaris, yeah? So four Mishmaris, if we, the, 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 the way to be Masavel over Yerushalayim properly is to realize that even when you experience four Mishmaris in your life, you have to believe that the Emes and Pnimius, even by you, there's only three Mishmaris. When, you, when a person thinks, 
that in their life, Be'etzim, there's four Mishmaras, and Dveikas Ba'ashem is something that they only experience once in a while, then when they're crying over their Golas and they're distanced from their Banish Lailam, that's going to be a crying of Yiddish. But if a person realizes that despite the fact that I don't feel it, and despite the fact that in Chitzayinis I might look to the outside or to the superficial way of thinking that I have four Mishmaras, the, the, a person, in order to be Mesavo over Yishlein properly, a person has to believe that in Pnimi Pnimiyas, the Rabbanu Shalom is, 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 is saturated in my Avaidah. Every single mitzvah that I do is saturated with Dvekas Bashem. Every mitzvah that I'm working on is saturated with Dvekas. Every Seichel of Torah and Nicholas that I'm learning is saturated with Dvekas. And then, so what's the Golas? The Golas is that I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not experiencing the truth of my Avaidah. So then when you're crying, it's not a crying that has anything to do with Yish. It's not a crying of like, I don't have it anymore, I hope one day to get it. That's a crying of, of, that's full of hope and full of, and, 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 and pushes you to, to bring ghoul into your life. Because it's not coming from a place of, of Yish, it's not coming from a place of, of true distance. It's coming from a place that I am not sensitive enough to realize what I'm doing. In other words, there are, if, if here's the point, if Avelus over the Chorb Mesa Migdash would be with four Mishmaras, then the crying would be, Rabbanu Shloylam, we're so far from you, and even in my Avaida, my Avaida is dry and dead. So that, that and, and the, 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 the Avelus over such, over such a, a situation very easily would turn into Yish. Because I'm starting off with an assumption that Rabbanu Shalom is distant from my, from my life. And then I compound that with all of the Tsaris of Golis that I'm seeing, and the Hester Ponim, that now the divide between me and the Pnei Adam is like insurmountable. So it might turn into Yish. In order to be Mesavel of Yishlein properly, that the Avela shouldn't be a state of Yish, then a person has to what? A person has to have the Amuna that even though... It, it would seem that that Al Piroiv we'd have four Mishmaris, but even the four Mishmaris that the Rabbim have in Pnimi Pnimius, even they only have three Mishmaris. And so this is why Davka, this Inyan of, of, of three Mishmaris is how we Paskin. And specifically, not only do we Paskin like this by being Masavel over Yerushalayim, that again, to make sure that the Avelis over Yerushalayim is not a crying that might lead to Yish, but rather a crying that leads to, to doing something about it. The, the, to make sure that the crying over the Hormes and English leads to a sense of being driven to do something about it is by realizing that you have everything you need in front of you. It's just a matter of harnessing it properly and seeing it properly and digging deeper. But if the Rabbanu Shleilam, if you, if, but if the Avelis is coming with the perspective of four Mishmaris, that even my avoida, even if I were to work on my mitzvahs and my midas and my seichel, even then the Rabbanu Shalom is distant. So then, then you're going with a, with a mindset, put it this way, again, going into Avelis over the base of Migdash with a mindset of the Rabbanu Shalom actually being distant from your avoida is a very dangerous thing. Because if you're going into Avelis over the, over the Korban Beis HaMikdash with a mindset, going in that the Rabbanu Shalom be'etzim is far from you, and you compound that with crying and thinking about the Holocaust and the Crusades, well, guess what? That's going to turn into Yish. But if you go in, so, the, so how do you go into Avelis properly? By realizing that even though it should be that I have four Mishmaris, 
in Pnimi Pnimius, even I have three Mishmaris. And I might not realize and feel the Dveikas Bashem in my Mrs. Maisius, but the Rabbanu Shalom is there. Which means I'm going into Avelis of Chorub Mesa Migdash while I'm, what, I'm dis, what I'm crying over is not the actual distance of the Rabbanu Shalom, but the hiddenness of the Rabbanu Shalom. That the Rabbanu Shalom is hidden from my eyes and hidden from my Avaida. But not that he's actually distant from my Avaida. If you go into your Avelis with a, with a sense that the Rabbanu Shalom is actually disconnected from your Avaida, and then, and, and then you cry over Chorum Beis HaMikdash, that, that's going to fall into Yish. This is why Rabbi Yezer Dafka hints to this, this side, that we should paskin, based on Rabin, based on the Raiv, that there are only three Mishmaris, he hints to this in the halachas of when to say Kriyishma at night. Because what's the meaning of nighttime? Nighttime is Golas. What's Kriyishma? Amuna. The uh, Rav Tzaddik writes, it's a famous uh, piece from Rav Tzaddik, I'm surprised it's not a song already, but the famous piece from Rav Tzaddik, that just like, I mean, yeah, listen, I, I, I lay down hints. Just like, the, just like a person has to believe in the Rabbani Shalaylam, Part of Amunah Hashem is to believe that the Rabbani Shloylam is deeply connected to your life. And so Davka by Kriyashma at night, it's not just believing in God, it's also believing that God is not distant from your Avaida, He's just hidden beneath the surface of your Avaida. So the, the part of the, the Amun of Kriyashma at night is to believe that there are only three Mishmaris even for Kal Yisrael, even for the Rav of Kal Yisrael, not just for the Yichidei Skula. So this is, this is Hagufa, or Lezer is not just, is not just uh, Agav, I'll mention this idea that there are three Mishmaris, no, that, that's, that's, the, that's, a, 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 that's a, one of the Iker, the Iker content of what it means to have a muna, belayla, it's a muna at night, which is Krishna at night, is to believe this nakuda that although it might seem on the surface that in my world there are four Mishmaras and the Rabbanisham, which is the Pnei Adam, is fundamentally disconnected and different from the rest of my Avaida, I have to have a muna in nighttime, that what? That even for, for myself, there's Gilm Mishmaras. And not only is that a necessary component for my Amuna at night to survive Golas, I could then, that, that's what allows me to actually mourn over Gullahs. Because then the mourning over Gullahs is not mourning over a, an actual being, you know, kicked out of Hashem's classroom. It's that the Rabbani Shalom is hidden from my eyes. And then it's not a yishtika crying. It's a, it's, a, it's a crying of like, I have to do something to see the truth. So there's no, there's no distance. It's just a matter of revealing the truth, which is just concealed by Gullahs. And that's the that's the Ikra Vaita what we're what we're learning from. That's why, you know, just to end off with uh, one other Nakud of Panemius, the first Tana that's mentioned in Talmud Bavli. And again, why why is this the first Agadata of Talmud Bavli? Again, what's all of Agadata? Agadata is about to recognize the one that created the world, to to see the Rabbanish Shlaylam. The first lesson is that even if you don't see the Rabbanish Shlaylam, that's not because he's not there. It's because you just don't see him. But there's no such thing as Rabbanu Shalom Be'etzim being fundamentally different, distant from you. That's why, again, the first piece of Agat in Talmud Bavli is that even though it should, it should be that we should paskin that Rav of Kala Yisrael have four Mishmaris, we paskin even all of Kala Yisrael only has three Mishmaris. And that's the chizik that Talmud Bavli, the first piece of, of introduction to Rabbanu Shalom that Talmud Bavli gives us is that he's everywhere, and there is no space that's, t- that's outside of his presence. Less asar panimine, soyev kalam and malakalam. And that's the, that's, that's the, the first piece of Taras Tal- Bavli. And Befrat, by the way, this is why the first Tana is Rabbi Yezer. I can't say this is why, but the Arem is, I guess you can maybe add, is that uh, the Rizal writes in Shara Gugulim that Rabbi Yezer, 
was a nitzitz, was a spark of Shevet Ruvain, of, of the, the actual, you know, Ruvain, Ruvain ben Yaakov, the, 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 Shevet, the person Ruvain, which is ironic because Ruvain, what's the name of Ruvain? Ruvain means Ria, Ruvain means to be able to see, to be able to see. And so the first mimer of Rabbi Yezer, which certainly is coming, Misharish Nishmasai, is trying to convey this message, which is that even if you don't see it, it's just a chasarn in your ear. It's just a chasarn in your ear. But the Rabbanu Shalom is there. What you need is just better eyes. That's the Nakuda. That's what, that's what Rebel Yezer is trying to reveal, that, 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 that what you have to work on is just an inning of ruvain. And you need of, of having of having better eyes to see it, but it's not be'etzem. The rabbanu shalom is far from you. That's the the shorish of all uh, hakar and the rabbanu shalom is to know that the rabbanu that you're about to meet throughout Agadat and throughout Yaakov is right in front of your face. Okay, we should be zeichet to experience him and to only have given mishmaris and the rabbanu shalom shouldn't cry over any, any anymore. We should be zeichet to experience it. Bishleim musay, be'es kol tzedek, mehavi meinu amen.